Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and the organizations into industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organizations. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that Charles Morgan is with us on the show today. Charles is the visionary former chairman and CEO of the Axiom Corporation, world leaders in data gathering, and its accompanying technology with 1,500 separate pieces of information on some half a billion people around the globe. Now Charles is now chairman and CEO in his latest tech venture, First Orion. Charles reveals his post-retirement startup success story in the new book, Now What? The biography of, in parentheses, finally successful startup. He's also held various leadership positions with the Direct Marketing Association. Charles currently serves on the board of trustees of Innovo and was recently bestowed the 2018 Lifetime Achievement Award for Marketing Edge. His dedication to the future of data science is steadfast. He's leading the effort in the Arkansas Center for Data Science, a public-private partnership devoted to upgrading the real-world computer and data analytics of the Arkansas workforce. So from today's session, for those wrestling with the question about business leadership, avoiding bad decisions, investing in a startup, and turning a passion into a profitable venture, Charles Morgan is here to share his history of how he retired and then found himself back in the role of CEO of a struggling data and analytics startup company. His story is textbook entrepreneurism, at least as, quote, textbook as an entrepreneurial narrative can be. He'll talk about the intersection of entrepreneurism and data, And I'm very excited to welcome him as our guest, especially given our passion in learning learning systems, robotic process automation, and the impact that these have on our workforce today. So, Charles, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Maureen. I always enjoy these conversations, some of the things that you are interested in, and automation and robotics are things which are changing the world, and I'm also very interested in the social impact of these things, which you are too. So uh, good to be here. I enjoy chatting about these topics, so I I do it frequently. Well, thank you, and welcome, and thank you for making time. So it looks like you've done amazing work in the space uh, and written a book 
in matters of life and data. Since we're both fans of this topic, do you want to give us a little bit of background about what you've done in this space and uh, what you've learned over the period of time that you've been running organizations? Well, I started off as an IBM, you know, a, a guy and selling computers to very sundry people, and but that career was short-lived, and I went to work for Axiom, and over the years, we were in direct marketing and, as you say, data gathering or analytics, uh, and we built large-scale some of the first really true big data databases that were built in the world for institutions uh, like the big banks in particular. So what I, I, I've always enjoyed solving very difficult uh, data science problems and doing it in a context of a group of people. So you're solving not only data science problems and software technology problems, but during my career as the company got bigger, I got more and more interested in solving the science of building organizations and cultures, mainly because the pain got so great when I ignored those things. So uh, a long-winded uh, answer about uh, what I have done and what I, I, I did in my, my career before retirement, I didn't really mean to get uh, start all over again. I just invested in a company, and it was in the not in the database and in the data mining business, but it was in the the new and evolving field of mobile technologies. It fascinated me. I like new stuff, fascinating things. And uh, I at first was an investor. Then in 2013, I couldn't stand it anymore and became CEO because I was the main source of funding for the company. So it's been a quite a career, and we're up about 200 employees with, you know, a profitable company and uh, and growing like a weed right now. So as you re-enter this space, the first segment of the show is usually about challenges and opportunities. What challenges and opportunities do you see for us, uh, not just for your company, but those of us who are lis- our listeners, uh, and we're a global audience? So, so what, are, what are you seeing as challenges and opportunities based on the work you're doing? Well, obviously, there are. You know, I mentioned that there are clearly a lot of social uh, challenges in, in our environment, and uh, there are also a lot of educational implications in our, uh, you know, environment. As the world becomes more and more uh, technically uh, uh, dependent on nearly any job or any company now, there is no company that's not involved in technology, whether you are a, a restaurant or you know a telecom company, which we telecom companies which we serve, everything is is about technology. In our workforce, you know, we still have. <clears throat> I think you have an economics degree, but today is that right, Maureen? I looked your bio up, but. Uh, if you look at how people are educated today, any kind of educational curriculum has got to include more and more 
what I will call data and computer science. And the uh, people that are not able to deal in that world are going to be suffering economically, So, which creates you know, disruption if we have more and more people uh, in those jobs and fewer and fewer people in the low-skilled jobs. So it is a pretty significant social uh, uh transformation that we're going to, as well as the technology trans, uh, transition. Not to even start mentioning Facebook and all our, our what the implications of things like uh, that are. So as you say that, you talk about your efforts at the Arkansas Center for Data Science. How does that tie into your corporate role? Well, uh, for, for uh, you know, a, a real good e- example of that tie-in, what, what we're trying to do is to tie the educational community uh, and the bis and the and the workforce, uh, as well as state government, state government policy, uh, into a, a you know a, a linkage, public-private linkage that allows us to. Uh, create educational opportunities to upgrade workforce. Our real mm-hmm. focus, our, our current major focus with the Arkansas Center for Data Sciences is on apprenticeship programs. And we use apprenticeship programs at First Orion. We're, we have been doing it for about the last uh, year and a half. And we are, uh, we are continuously running uh, apprenticeship programs of uh, 10 to 14 weeks that that, that create the exact uh, skill set and experience that somebody needs to be productive in the first Orion environment. Even if they've got a computer science degree, they're not able to come in and deal with the complex problems we have in the telecom industry, application solutions, analytics, and telecom industry. By the way, Maureen, what our company does, the biggest thing we do is stop scam calls. So if you've got a first, you've got a T-Mobile uh, phone, you don't get robocalls or scam calls, and that's uh, that's our major claim to fame right now, thing we're most known for. But people don't come out of school knowing how to do that. And so what the... Uh, what we're doing is apprenticeship programs. We're trying to get a broad-scale rollout of those apprenticeship programs to the industries and the workforce of Arkansas with the help of the state government, with the help of the institutions of higher education, to be able to create training programs specifically tailored to an individual company within that company to special, specialized job requirements uh, that that we have and other companies have. So it's really a broad-based training program, so it does tie into our company. It's what we do, and we are uh, using what we do here as a prototype for what we're deploying in the state, and we've got state, state funding and private funding to do that. <clears throat> well, and this seems like a beautiful example of the things that we say are going to be required going forward, right? That. Right. A company can't fix it. The government can't fix it. Nonprofits right. can't fix it. It is the collaboration of all right. with with things like your internship along with what the state's doing and feeding right. data back and forth. 
Yeah, it's 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 got to be, and these things have got to be real and substantive, and they've got to be specifically for our given company. And I'll I'll dig in the weeds a little bit and tell you, we just finished a data sciences program, and we had six people that uh, young people went through it. All of them were uh, recent uh, graduates of college universities, I believe. At least five of the six had uh, computer science degrees, and but even though they had some have been out out of school for a year or two, and some of them were right out of school, none of them knew how First Orion uses AWS to manage large scale database. We have a database of every every phone number in the North American phone numbering system. We keep transactions. Uh, from phone calls in the T-Mobile network for uh, 60 days now. We have a very large database. That database uh, is very specialized. People, It takes a long time for people to understand database management technology we use. On top of that, we have our whole layer of security. You don't learn in school about first Orion security layer. We have to teach that to people. And we teach it through projects and online education lectures and uh, ultimately a capstone project where they take everything that they have learned and actually do a, a, a real life project that we hope will actually have value for the company. The last group that went through their our data science program actually came out with a uh, a solution that we're actually deploying in, in uh, as a first run solution. In other words, we actually use what the young students did in their apprenticeship program. So uh, these things are uh, now these people have come out of these programs can immediately go to work in various areas, and they are immediately productive. Which is exactly what you would hope for, right? The, right. the investment in their of theirs in their future and yours in the company intersect with highly productive results immediately. They're fully paid. I mean, they're on board. All they have to do is get through successfully, get through the program, and we pay them at, you know, uh, uh, just like we would somebody that was working every day. So, they're being paid, and uh, you know they're uh, they, they must successfully complete the uh, apprenticeship program. So far, every everyone has successfully done that. So. Which gets a little bit to how you recruit them as well. Yeah, and by the way, it's a great recruiting tool. I'm, I'm giving away all my secrets, Maureen, but. Uh, these programs that we're doing and the ones that, that we'll do under the auspices of the Arkansas Center for Data Sciences are actually certificated programs, and we actually have certification uh, from the uh, a national apprenticeship program uh, from the Department of Labor, and we are looking for uh, uh, secondary endorsements from a sponsoring university for each one of these. So. Uh, it's an recruiting program because the young people say, hey, I, you know, it's kind of like I've got another uh, certificate on my resume, which is real and not just, uh, you know, I passed a, l- a little uh, course. Or, uh, this is a major certification coming out of this apprenticeship program. 
It's really exciting to hear. As we go into break, we're doing a fairly different in scope entirely, but we do an innovative leadership certification, and we've just announced our first university partnership where they get three credits for a master's program. So so there, there is an external university validation, which I think is really important to send the message to the community that this is real stuff. It's not that that we're all investing in. So as we go to break, I encourage our listeners to think about how are you dealing with some of your workforce challenges and do you have the partnerships that are required going forward to fill those gaps? This is Maureen Metcalf and Charles Morgan and we'll be back right away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future. You are with Charles Morgan and Maureen Metcalf, and Charles is talking about his experiences in the data science space and also as a very successful entrepreneur. 
and you can hear his passion about the importance of not only data science, but for companies, leaders, and communities, how do we come together to address ensuring we have the right workforce prepared to do the work and on the social side, how do we make sure that we're not just discarding people who, who did not have the skills coming in, but rather how do we help retrain them? So Charles, with that as the background, why did you write the book? Now what the biography of a finally successful startup? Yeah, the, the first book I wrote was intended to be kind of an autobiography because here being in from Little Rock, Arkansas, where we are, we, we didn't say that, but uh, in Little Rock, uh, we had uh, in the state of Arkansas, and actually at one time, close to 4,000 people working for us, and we hired, uh, pretty, it was a tech company, so we had as many tech companies as, uh, well, more than any other company in the state except for Walmart. And uh, as a result of that, I had a lot of uh, people that uh, had sons and daughters and family and friends, and it's amazing how many times people said, now, what do you all do at Axiom? And they they struggle like you did, Axicom or whatever, how do you say that? You know, so anyhow, uh, I... I, uh, 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 wrote the uh, original book as much as anything else to not just tell the story, but I did. I wanted to have a, a business uh, uh, story and provide some tips and guidance to people in the business uh, world and those who are doing startups. Well, when I finished the book, uh, people said I really enjoyed that book, but I wish you'd write a more, you know, another book but focus more on, you know, some of the business aspects of it, which I did with Matters of Life and Data. So I enjoy doing those things. I, uh, I, I, I like to uh, communicate ideas that I think will help, uh, you know, make uh, uh, people's lives better and more companies uh, to be successful. And as a result of that, I, I wrote the book, and I do interviews like this. I certainly did not write the book to get rich, Maureen, and you probably know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I do uh, know that. <laughs> sorry, you know, unless yeah. you're on Fox News or you know on TV every day selling a book, you're, it's kind of hard to make any money. So the idea was certainly not to make any money with the book, but it was to communicate what I thought would be useful ideas to make. Uh, the place we live, uh, a better place. Thank you, and thank you for your candor. One of the things you talked about in the book was the expensive mistakes that happen along the way for First Orion specifically. Can you share a little bit about those with our listeners and how to avoid them? Well, I, I, I wish I knew how to, if I knew how to avoid them, Maureen, I, guess what? <laughs> I wouldn't have made them. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, there are, you know, a lot of, you know, basic business rules that we don't get into, that we're not going to get into. But avoiding mistakes, to a great extent, is having a lot of good people around you and trying to make uh, reasoned decisions that are counseled by uh, those around you. Uh, 
my watchword for any business success is leadership. Certainly, as the business gets bigger, it gets more and more and more important. Early on, it's a lot about innovation and you know, figuring out how just to get something done and into the market. Later, it becomes more and more about leadership. Along the way, a lot of the mistakes that people make are uh, you, you don't know what you don't know. And you, if you're inventing something new, for example, in First Orion, we, we our first solution uh, that we think we took to market was a call blocking app on BlackBerry. Nobody, we built the very first, to our knowledge, very first call blocking app that was ever out there on BlackBerry. And it was like 2010. And well, who was our guide? Uh, the good news is nobody done it first. The bad news is we didn't know what we were doing. We got involved in a lot of things along the way. We didn't. Uh, we did not know how to uh, do a lot of things, and nobody did in those days. So you try stuff, and it doesn't work. And you just got to be sure. Uh, we, we had one particular case where we were we were convinced that we could get. <clears throat> a lot of promotion done in a little joint venture deal with Sprint. Uh, and we ended up spending way more money than we had, over a half a million dollars on a promotion. It was a complete failure. So, you know, I, one thing, I didn't know anything about mobile advertising, but when we did this in about 2000, 13, early 2013, nobody done much of that. So, you know, it's like <clears throat> you don't know what you don't know, and maybe nobody knows it. But uh, I know, Maureen, you're big in innovation, and, you know, you try to innovate, uh, and sometimes you make bad bets. But if you're making bad bets, it's really a good idea not to make really big bad bets. And that was a really big bad bet. Uh, and of course, we had others, you know, over the years. But uh, somebody told me that Charles, you're lucky. You make a lot of bad decisions, but you make you make really good big ones. So uh, you're still around. And I, I I say leadership is important. You know, you got to own your got to own your mistakes, but you also have to try to not make it. And, Murray, this is really important. We have a, a number of things that we did very poorly at Axiom. We have, we have not uh, made those mistakes here. And a lot of them have to do with people, leadership, and culture. And uh, I think that would be music to your ears because it's, you know, it is all about the people, the organization, the culture. And it if you start growing real fast and just ignore all those things, then you're gonna you're gonna be in for big problems later. And it it was a big huge problem for us at Axiom when we got to about uh, you know 800 employees or so or a thousand employees, and we had worked worried about you know culture and structure and. Uh, a lot of things that are fundamental to most large organizations. We just let the company grow, kind of just, you know, kind of morphed into a thousand-person company without 
and we had 13 layers of management in one area. So it was a mess. You know, you said something earlier that struck me as you made a lot of poor small decisions, but good large decisions. And we talk a lot about the mindset of leaders and making continually making as small a decision as possible so that you can test your approaches. Can you talk a little bit about your mindset that allowed you to make mistakes and keep going? Because we still live in a culture, and especially in the Midwest, where um, lots of people think it is bad to make mistakes. Now, if you're on the coasts, it's a little different. But we, I think we still enculturate people and, and different countries yeah. from where our listeners are seated also have different perspectives on is it okay to, to make mistakes and learn or is the goal yeah. to really get it right? Guess what? Our, one of our culture cornerstones is innovation. We have four culture cornerstones here and people first is one of them and, and the lower right-hand quadrant is innovation. And part of the culture of innovation is you have to let people fail. And you have to encourage failure. And you have to encourage people to do things, to do things differently and better. But if you do that and don't put some kind of boxes around it, like if you have no standards whatsoever in a company, then you can end up, which we did actually, and you can end up with you know, a thousand different, you know, little bits of purchase software that, you know, that end up being a real problem. But you, you, you do have to let people make mistakes, but some of the boxes have got to be protect them and don't let them make big mistakes. Let them make some small mistakes uh, and, you know, reserve the big mistakes for, uh, you know, the, the senior leadership. Sure, that's hard to do. I, there's no question about it. But, you know, I I, I generally let my, my team, I got great people here as I had at Axiom, I let them make uh, decisions. And, and only occasionally do I get involved in the small decisions. But on the big ones, uh, I push the team uh, to, you know, to do the right thing, even if it is risk, you know, there is risk involved. And uh, so you have to innovate, you have to take some risk, but you have to do, uh, you have to take risk where you're not betting the farm. And that's kind of my my rule. I, I like, you know, banks, when they loan you money, they like three ways out of a loan. You know, you're going to guarantee if they like some kind of asset, and uh, you know, and you know, worst case, they uh, figure they can, you know, sell the asset or uh, take it out of your hide. So, uh, and also, obviously, cash flow or whatever is uh, underpinning the loan. So, got both boys out of getting getting their money back. Well, if you're in a business and you make a decision that if it goes wrong. It's going to tank the business. That's stupid. And you know, obviously, if it's if business is very, very young, it's hard not to because you may not have any choice. But businesses often get going, and then they make bad decisions where they bet the farm 
don't bet mm-hmm. the farm. Don't bet more than you can lose. And I, I tell that to people all the time. Yeah, I take take some big risks. We had we took a big risk at first Orion with Sprint. We lost some money. I, it was painful, but I could afford it. And you know, I pay, it was my money. I was betting, and uh, uh, so you know, I I, I knew he had failed. It wasn't going to kill us, but don't don't make bets where it's going to uh, you know kill you. And occasionally, get by with that. I relate a story about Fred Smith who bet his bet the farm on FedEx in the early days. And you know, if it'd gone bad, he could have gone to jail. That's how bad a big a bet he was. He made so. Well, yeah. and we hear about people like that who are successful. What we don't hear is how many of them fail, and way more fail That's than right. succeed. Not ninety percent fail, and, and a lot of them fail not because they didn't have a good idea. And you know that more. They have a good idea. They don't have enough money. They don't have you know. They don't have the people, right people working with them. You got to a lot of reasons. So we've got about three minutes left in this segment, and you have a lot of content about entrepreneurial catch-22, about breakthroughs and not knowing when they're coming. What do you want to talk to our listeners about for the next few minutes of this segment? Well, I, I think the, the issue is when you start a business like this, you suddenly find all kind of great opportunities that uh, you can see. And you, it's really easy to see something that's really a great opportunity for the here and now, but it's not on your main path. So even though you may see something that is, uh, you know you can be successful, you know you can do that successfully. For example, we're building applications for blackberries people come to us say oh you build apps for us and we had all these all these people coming to us for new app building and we you know and and by the way mainly because i said absolutely not uh even though the team said we can have a really nice business doing that i said that's not taking us anywhere we want to go so you know, the, if you will, the catch-22 is you can make money and help make companies successful. But the the sad part is there was no really big future in it like there would be if we were successful with our core solution ideas. So you run into a, a, a lot of those things. They're expedient decisions. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, hiring decisions which are, uh, expedient decisions. You can't afford, you really need somebody who's really a top skilled person. You can't afford them. So you hire somebody that might be able to get by, but then you're, you know, you're stuck with them, you know, for the long haul. So, uh, you, you know, it's making uh, expedient decisions. It seemed like a great, it solves a problem for you right now, but the, the the problem is long term it creates a bigger problem. You know those are the kind of those are the kind of issues that you run into, uh, and so you know there are uh, who you partner with. Somebody you might partner with is could really help you out now, but long term they they'd be a terrible partner. In other words, hey, somebody like Sprint we thought might be a great partner. But the more we learn, uh, getting getting tied down, being tied up with them, might have been 
could have been expedient short-term, but the more we learned long-term, it probably wasn't a good idea. T-Mobile, on the other hand, turned out to be a great partner right now for us. So. Thank you so much for sharing the range of choices that, that we as entrepreneurs are facing and how you both made mistakes and made it, made those learning opportunities and learned from the small ones so that the big ones wouldn't put you out of business. So as we go on break, I encourage our listeners to think about some of what Charles has shared and how do you create a culture that both allows mistakes for people dealing with things that haven't been addressed ever before. There is no best practice where they are creating it and yet keeping the company safe by making bets that are appropriately sized for your wallet. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to focus on the big picture. But a growing business requires compliance, regulations, tax issues, and more. Listen to Candy Messer and BizHelp for you. Our program takes the guesswork out of the equation in order to give you the answers and peace of mind. From payroll to labor laws to entrepreneurial tips, you'll find something new with each week's episode. BizHelp for You can be heard every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future. Charles, 
during break, we were talking about leadership and culture and what you look at when you are investing in companies with regard to those two topics specifically to, to make your investment decision. What do you look at? Well, I, I think uh, leadership, as I said, is one of the key things that separates good companies from bad companies. I don't necessarily think it's all about product. It's, you know, all about market or any of those kind of traditional things. You only have to go to Sam Walton and Walmart uh, and say that you can take what is normally considered a pretty crappy business. Uh, I, I was working with Walmart back in the days when they got started, and I was absolutely blown away with the even the very early days of Walmart, the strong culture that uh, Sam conveyed. Uh, he clearly was a leader. He made people work hard. He hired really, really good people. He demanded high ethical standards, uh, and he provided some amazing uh, innovation to the, uh, uh, the business, and people uh, literally, even though Sam had broke a couple of times, people literally didn't want to invest in his company just because it was a crappy industry, and Sam didn't have a great track record. But despite all that, he stuck to the culture, and the culture today at Walmart is still very strong, and I think that's one reason that business has remained strong. So... Culture is uh, one of the cornerstones of any successful business. When I'm looking at uh, a business to invest in, I say, you know, how long has the leadership been there? Do they ha- they keep turning over different people? What kind of things are those? You know, if you just look at the bios on people, what are they what you know what are they interested in? Uh, and I, I we actually att- I actually attempted, believe it or not, to write. Uh, software uh, one time to evaluate companies that gave uh, a leadership score to look at those kind of things. I don't know how successful it was. I did write some software actually to do that. So uh, it's a whole bunch of uh, factors, uh, and the the I don't think there's any perfect way to evaluate it, but uh, from the outside, you, you've got to be on the inside to truly understand the leadership. But the external signs are you have a lot of turnover. Has the team been together for a long time? Uh, do you have a CEO that nobody seems to work for? Do you have a, a C, uh, uh, Do they keep turning over CIOs or any one position in a business? So a lot of little, a lot of little clues. There's no perfect indicator. So then on the culture side, because this is, you're right, this is something very interesting to me, and I've seen culture, a wide range of cultures work for specific companies. So right. coming out of big consulting firms, uh, a lot of people wouldn't have identified as those as great cultures, but it was great for what we were trying to do at that point in time and producing, leveraging young, smart, hungry people yeah who weren't really looking for balance in life. We were looking for an accelerator. So what do you look at in culture to know if it's a right culture for the organization? Well, I think, yeah, we made the mistake at Axiom of 
you, you have to understand the culture has to fit the type worker and the type problems you're solving. Uh, if you're into technology, you have a very different uh, culture to build than you are if you're in trucking. Trucking and uh, you know high-tech uh, solutions business like ours are going to have different cultures. But one thing that they all share, in my opinion, uh, that I try to evaluate and uh, when I'm looking at companies, but also we are doing that we did at Axiom and, and we do here, all cultures start with leadership, Maureen. And I, I believe firmly that uh, leadership, you can look at the various aspects of it, but, uh, you know, leadership is leadership that people can trust. Incredibly important that leaders be trusted, uh, that leaders be willing to make decisions, uh, and that leaders hire good, great people to work for them, uh, and uh, leaders, add, you know, add value to the business. They're not just a, you know, not just a figurehead making good decisions uh, and hiring good people. But they're involved in the business. They're involved with the customers. So, in, in leadership is involvement. But the culture itself, people that work for a company have to understand that they are important. And, and in our culture, at first arrive, uh, the, the uh, element of it I think could be most interesting. We simply say, you know, people first. And people first means some of the things I just said is that people are the important asset, uh, you know, that, that we have. Uh, and you know we talked about uh, innovation, uh, and uh, the innovation is uh, got to be a culture of innovation that allows for failure. Uh, that a culture that gives people the tools they need in the environment that they need to to be able to uh, innovate. So if you've got you've got people and you and uh, you, you've got a leadership uh, and you've got innovation. It's really nice not to forget about the customers. And uh, <laughs> our yeah. culture here is, uh, you know, is customer focused, customer, uh, delight your customers, uh, you know, create client intimate relationships because that happens to be the kind of business we can be in, create products that delight customers. And have measurable uh, value add. Uh, in our case, our, our the guys that pay us are our people like T-Mobile and other large companies that, that we work with. So, uh, but there we are providing products and services. In the case of T-Mobile, we're serving all every single T-Mobile customer uh, has is touched by our company. So we have. Now we got MBNOs of that. Those are the uh, uh, companies like Trackphone that use T-Mobile's network. There are about 14 of those, and uh, the T-Mobile customers and the uh, T-Mobile and main brand and T-Mobile uh, 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 minor brands 
all of those are about 74 million people that we touch all the time. So, you know, we're touching a lot of people, so we've got to be aware of the customers we touch. We've got to, you know, be aware of uh, uh, the relationships uh, and the, uh, that we have with T-Mobile, but we have to also be aware that we have to serve their customers and serve them well. So, you know, I appreciate. I may have gone on too long there. I get carried away with this because it's. <laughs> uh, now I appreciate the depth of your perspective, and specifically, sometimes in leadership conversations, we we stop at culture and we forget. Yeah. To, to have the hardcore conversation about we're only in business if our customers are delighted and we're providing value right. or that, unless right. there's no alternative and then we get to stay in business. But longer term, it's about serving the range of stakeholders and doing it well and doing it. And, and it you have to wrap the culture thing around. We, we do culture training and we, we do a lot of things to reinforce the, the, you know, the, the culture uh, you know, live kind of things. We, uh, uh, you know, we have sessions and we we talk about it. Uh, we we talk about it in uh, individually in meetings, and uh, we also have various and sundry tools that we use to you know evaluate people's interactions. Can you give a couple examples of those? Because, again, culture doesn't happen by accident, and it doesn't also happen because someone put it on a card. It happens through very Uh, deliberate behaviors and reinforcement. Yeah, you know, know, building a culture, it it needs to be a collaborative process. You know, just like building anything else in a company, you don't go build something, a product, you know, it, it, as a one-band band. I don't think the CEO can come in with his head people person and say, hey, we have, uh, congratulations, everybody, we have developed a, a culture and we have written <laughs> it all down, and so you all need to read this culture document. It has to be something that is developed collaboratively with people and we, you know, how you, you know, we say that culture is how we work. It's everything we do as an organization. So, okay, that sounds really cool, but what does, uh, very specifically, what does people first mean? And Mm -hmm. it it is, it's, it, it, it is successfully defined if you do it collaboratively, get people together to help define what that means in the first Orion world and have those people actually collaboratively help build what I'll call the documented culture. They can talk about it then, and they're aware of it because they help build it. And, you know, the, the, you know, the culture needs not be this complicated uh, you know, employee handbook. This is, uh, you know, very simple kind of things that uh, uh, you see the employees see every day, supported by the actions of the management. And uh, you know, we, that's one thing we try to do. We actually do. Uh, you know, we we enter the uh, best small companies. 
in uh, uh, America that is uh, uh, a thing. We're in the small, we're in the medium sized, small, medium sized company, I think, category. And we enter that every year just to get extensive feedback because they do very broad based surveys of all of our employees, finding out what the good and the bad is. And, you know, part of our culture is to continuously improve our culture. So that's what we do. We, 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 we enter this best small companies in America. And our goal uh, is not to win a contest. Our goal is to get the extensive feedback and see how we compare on various areas with other companies and, and, and see what other companies' innovation is done in the people and culture area that we might be able to copy. I like to steal all that kind of stuff I can steal. So That, uh, that was going to be one of my questions, and we're coming to close, so I, I want to get a short answer. But I've worked with clients who get a lot of input on everything, but they don't necessarily talk to the experts uh, about something yeah. like that. So it sounds like you are marrying together what the experts yeah. say through an assessment as well as what your employees yeah. say. Yeah, we, we definitely uh, think that uh, feedback, and in case we do our own, you know, little surveys to just to check on something. We had a, you know, we had a new benefit that, that we were thinking about. We're starting to uh, help people with college uh, loan payment repayments and, and tuition refunds. So we did little surveys to that uh, in inside and did some outside what the experts say about. We did a lot of research in, in the industry, what other people are doing. Uh, and so, you know, looking outside uh, uh, for help on a lot of complicated topics is, is really important. We don't necessarily hire consultants other than you would say the best small companies in America is really a consulting, you know, help us mm-hmm. assess our employee base, really. Okay, so we're going to wrap up. So I'm going to give a quote from Charles that sums up his view on leadership, especially since we've been focusing on that. Audacity alone usually isn't enough. The most successful generals also possessed extraordinary leadership skills, and that too transfers to the business world. Someone has to point the way, and the troops have to have faith enough to follow the leaders. That kind of leadership isn't something you learn in school. He reminds us that we must be seeking to be the kind of person and the kind of leaders our troops have enough faith in to follow. And so you talked about trustworthiness, and that is something near and dear to my heart, that yeah. that people don't follow us unless we are trustworthy. So, Charles, thank you. And can you give our listeners contact information in case they want to get your books or follow up with you? Yeah, I, my, uh, uh, both my books, Now What, is available on uh, Amazon uh, and uh, 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 Matters of Life and Data. Both of them are available on Amazon and firstorion.com. Uh, is our current company website very just like it spelled? It sounds just like it spelled is the website, and uh, we even I think we even had a uh, a now what website and a matters of life and data website link. So lots Great. of ways to find me. I, I'm findable. 
Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. I trust that you found something from Charles's comments that you can take away and put into practice in your own world and in your own work immediately and or something that will shift your mindset. This is Maureen Metcalf, and I can be found at either info at innovateleader.com, LinkedIn, Maureen Metcalf, or Facebook, Innovating Leadership. I always look forward to your comments, and I do integrate them into the following shows. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope you join us again soon. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.